Hello, everybody. Welcome to a very special episode of Wrestling with the Future. I'm your host, Angelo DeCipio, joined as I am every week by the happy haberdasher, the smartest guy in the room, Dan the Man Sebastiano. Daniel, how are you tonight? I'm great. I'm looking forward to this show. Yeah, Dan, we got a good one tonight, brother. It's going to be a good one. Yes, indeed. I was going to call tonight's episode Wrestling with the Future of Magic, but that just doesn't seem to do justice to our guest. He is the grand illusion of Bobby Borgia. Bobby, welcome. How are you, my brother? Fantastic. What a great introduction. It's a big lie, but that's fantastic. Thank Thank you. Well, I will tell you, speaking of introduction, I have thought about and Dan will tell you, I usually write the intros, but I tell you what, I saw something. I couldn't write a better intro than what is already posted on BobbyBorgia.com. So if you'll indulge me, let me just introduce people to this gentleman who I know as Bobby Borgia. Bobby has been thrilling audiences for the past 30 years with live performances and appearance in more than 70 countries from Asia and Europe to Las Vegas and Hollywood's Magic Castle. He's appeared on numerous television shows, including Masters of Illusion, The Greatest Magic of Las Vegas, and The Pretenders, and has been a recurring television host on Disney's The Disney Channel. Bobby's work as an illusion designer, magic consultant, and technical advisor has made him one of the most trusted experts in film, stage, television, and the music industry. He is also the illustrator of the very popular The Complete Idiot's Guide, some magic tricks. And we're going to talk about that book tonight, brother. We are going to talk about that. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, a young man, and I call him affectionately a young man because when I met him, he was a very young man. <laughs> yes, I was. About 19 years. My friend, Bobby Borgia. How you doing, Bobby? I'm fantastic. And thank you for that amazing introduction, Angelo. That was sure. Quite welcome. We should tell people, Bobby, that uh, I met you a long time ago in a land far away called Atlantic City. Yes, you did. That was my first big like production show, review show. Um, right now, where I'm live in Erie, Pennsylvania, where I grew up. Yes. And when I was 18, I graduated high school, and moved to New York City. My first big gig was the Roger Manami production of Wildfire, which yes. was a production show at Merv Griffin's Hotel Resorts International. Yes. And I think I was 18 or 19 years old. I was 19. Yes, you were. You were you a mere pup. pup. Yeah. Mere pup. <laughs> yeah. You, my friend, were um, the one that took care of all of us. That You know, there was a big cast, you know, of the show. Oh, yeah. Three guest artists and then the whole dancers and singers and... And all that. And uh, when you called me the other day, the, the word surreal comes to mind. That's all I got to say. I was like, what? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I will tell you, it's interesting because the night that I met you, I met another interesting gentleman. We'll talk a little bit about him tonight. Yeah. We just lost him, the amazing James Randy. Yes, sir. James, uh, I met... Uh, and then Dan, you'll find this amusing and says another yet another weapon in your arsenal to use against me. But James, Randy and I met because he tried to pick me up. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, probably. Yeah, yeah he did. <laughs> and he was a, a sweet guy, wonderful guy, smart as a whip. I mean, really, really bright. In and fact, some people say, Bobby, that he may have been 
too smart for his own good. Um, he was um, he, he, wise, smart, and 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 he uh, boy, he was a clever man. He yeah, you know, he uh, called. Well, he wrote me a letter when I was a kid and and was managing me for a while. Myself and Joaquin Ayala. When you know, oh, and I remember getting a letter from James Randi, and I'm like 16 years old, like holy yeah. crap, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he had a, a profound impact on pretty much everyone who ever met him. And what was your initial uh, take um, uh, upon hearing that James Randi uh, left us? Well, I mean, I, I was in shock, first of all. And I was like, oh, my God. And uh, I think he lived an amazing life. I mean, that's that would be an understatement. Oh, yeah. For <laughs> was sure. he 92? Was, it, was he 92? Yeah, 92. Yeah. yeah. I think he lived an amazing life, and I know at the end he was, you know, in a bit in pain with the with the, you know, with the cane and everything yeah. like that. Um, I, I mean, he really was an icon. Um, you think about him, and he just walked to the beat of his own drum, and had a persona that was larger than life. He was actually not far from here, Toronto, Canada, is where he's from, which is a three-hour drive from Erie. Yeah, uh, he impacted and influenced a lot and he followed the whole harry houdini debunking thing and wrote that hard i remember seeing him on happy days yeah. when Hans opened his hotel room and, and he was upside down in the window do you remember that yes i do <laughs> very much <laughs> Bizarre, you know very yeah. pop culture kind of guy yeah, um, Dan. Uh, yes, sir. When when James Randy passed away, you were one of the first people uh, in my circle uh, to express your condolences. Uh, what kind of effect did the amazing Randy have on your life? Well, like I said in my post, and and I was able to kind of I don't want to say jump on the story because I follow him on pretty much every social media platform. Um, is he? even between the magic and, and this quest for truth, since I was old enough to understand what the word meant, James Randi was my hero. And I've had, you know, I have some stuff signed from him. I've got various routines that I've learned, you know, and it's just the, the, like you, Bobby touched on it is just the, the just constant clever, like, you know, I, I kind of, the smartest man in the room moniker is kind of a nod to some of the conversations that he had, yeah. you know, um, when, when I remember, the first time I saw an interview with him uh, talking about when he completely just and oh I don't want to say ended the career for somehow he's still hanging on but but really ended the career of, of Uri Geller. Uri Geller, and yeah. He said he said the key to to beating a fraud is to be smarter than them, and yeah. you know you've you've yeah. got so I'd be kind of the smartest man in the room moniker came from that and uh, that's actually Bobby I was hoping to kind of transition that into a question you know it. He, Go for it, Dan. Like, like you talked about with, you know, he was the, the the debunker and he went after, you know, your your cold readings and your seances and your spoon yeah. bending and all that. You know, and other magicians have have done that with, you know, Penn and Teller. And before we started filming, we spoke about uh, you know, Danny Haney, who wasn't as much a, a, a debunker, but he was a real critic of people that, you, you know, uh, claimed to be better than they were or actually had the powers or whatever. What is it about? being a magician and illusionist that draws people that are inherently skeptic of everything else. Yeah. So wait, say that question. And what is it about 
what is it about like magic and illusion? Because it seems every magician I've ever met is is of the mindset of James Randi. They're skeptics. They're they want to go after right. the, the frauds right. and well, the shysters. I think because they're doing something that is not real, and the art of making it look real, and then they see somebody who is um, fraudulent, and they we as magicians know how they're doing. My perfect example, which was, and you probably remember the show called That's Incredible, okay? Mm -hmm. And oh, this, guy, this guy came on, and he would, he could flip telephone pages, and please yes. forgive me, can't remember his name. But his I'm name was James Hydrant. James Hydrant. Thank yep. you. Yeah. And he was getting a name, and this guy was starting to get a lot of press. Yeah. Now, they bring him on, and he goes... Well, tonight we have a special guest. It was Kathy Lee Crosby. She goes, we have a special guest for you, James. The amazing Randy is here. And, and you just saw the blood draw out of his face. Yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> the giant neon why me sign blinking above the guy's head. And James Randy did one thing. The guy was um, moving a, I think it was a pencil on a needle with an aquarium around it or something. Yeah. And he took, he had a box and he goes, I'm going to ask you to do this again. And he took out those styrofoam peanuts. That's all he was, yeah. He just placed it around the and he goes, now do it. <laughs> it was great. I was like, and he goes, oh, my powers are drained. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, it's, it's this. What, what it really is, it's about being authentic with your authenticity as a human being. I don't care what profession you're in, okay? About being authentic and true power, which comes from here, not the ego-based power that comes with the, the territory, the job title. Yeah. When that job title goes away, that power goes away. And there's a lot of people that get in a position and abuse that power. But when you really just follow your, your true power um, uh, as a human being and follow, you know, just be one with your word. And it's that simple. Well, I think, you know, Bobby, not, not to interrupt you, but I think James Randi said it himself uh, in his book, An Honest Liar. Yeah. Because a magician, if you think about the essence of magic. Right. A, a magician is the single most honest individual you'll ever, ever meet because they'll tell you they're going to lie to you. I'm going to lie to you. You're going to watch what I'm doing, and I'm lying to you, and I'm going to lie, and I'm telling and you I'm lying. And you're going to thank me for it and pay me. Yep. <laughs> Lots of money. You know, he, when he hired those two young kids um, and did a behind-the-scenes documentary, um, and they, he taught them how to bend spoons and stuff, and he would put them out and fold scientists. And, yeah. and we all know as magicians how easy that really is to fool somebody. Sure. But you see people like Darren Brown. He's like, look, I'm a magician. I'm, you know, I don't have powers. But when you see people abuse that, it's come on, you know, what, what are you doing? Let me throw a name at you, Bobby. There's a guy that's uh, he's getting a lot of play especially these days, and not necessarily uh, for the good. is uh, a, a guy from Great Britain named Dynamo. Yeah. Um, he's kind of, I don't want to say loosely based, I'm just going to say he's kind of a, a, a Chris Angel ripoff. Let's uh, just James, call him what he is. Chris Angel ripoff, he was a breakdancer. Yeah. Uh, and he, he got managed by a guy who was in the music industry and, oddly enough, really doesn't know a lot about magic, but hired um, he hired um, Danny Garcia 
and Rico De La Vega to basically go, show me how to do this. Yeah. <clears throat> and they went over and was, they consulted and did, created all this stuff for him and go, hold it like this, do this. Uh, it, you know, it, it, it was the same thing when Blaine hit, everybody just started copying him. Same thing with Copperfield. Sure. David Copperfield hit everybody. They have no, they don't have their own identity. So they're going to copy that and be, I have no respect for that whatsoever. I Let's see- talk about that. You, you said something that, that I, that I take personal. I take, because I love magic and I like to be fooled. Right. Uh, and, and I pay magicians a lot of money to fool me. Um, including people like Bobby Borgia. Uh, but I, I am bothered when I see the, the Rolex knockoff yep. to, to equate it. Okay. Yep. Um, don't try to be, uh, you know, a David Copperfield no. wannabe or a Chris Angel wannabe or a Bobby Borgia. Just be the best you, you can That's, be. Find out who you are. It's this. Why it's, is that so hard in magic? It, they well, they all buy the same trick and do it and go. I'm doing my version of blah blah blah. And I go, you just bought the trick, you know. I mean, we all have. I mean, there's no, you know, I buy a trick, but you have to know who you are. And I study very heavily with an amazing. Um, um, it's called Landmark Education. It's where Tony sure. Robbins learned everything. Oh and yeah. I, personal coach with for the last 60 weeks of my life mm-hmm. and i you know it's important to know who you are yeah i mean really who you are and not not falter to to bending the ways of i'm just going to copy and, and ride that wave and i have no respect i really don't i don't have yeah. any respect for it uh, when i see that it's just like come on now when i see people like darren brown my god i love I love the fact that he knows who he is. He fell into that position by synchronicity. Really mm-hmm. great backstory. He's got two great writers behind him. And he's the guy. You know, he's yeah. great as he takes everything tenfold. I'm not going to name names, but there are other David Blaine and Chris Angel ripoffs. And I just go, come on. Especially yeah. when you see America's Got Talent. And there was an Australian guy oh, that, sure. I mean, looks just like Chris Angel. And you're going, yeah. huh? where are you going? Where do you think exactly. you're going? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, let's talk about you know uh, magicians. Uh, historically, are the guys who push the envelope. They uh, they push it to the edge and maybe just a little further on occasion. Can a magician go too far with any given trick? I'm gonna because uh, I'll I'll share with you, Bobby. What, and I love magic, and I have a lot of respect for magicians. But yeah. when Chris Angel did the raise the dead bit, the, he uh, he pushed it too far from yeah. from my liking. But um, in in the middle America of where our culture, our youth is, all right. Look at forget magic. Just look at where our youth is and our culture. Yeah, uh, they, yeah. That was a little. I mean, you start going. Kids are watching TV. What are you yeah. doing? Mm-hmm. You have to have a bit of responsibility. Now, you have to have responsibility. So when I see things like that, um, you know, they're kids watching. Now, you notice that middle America and our youth, magic, it's almost like 
you know, David Blaine bit a coin and you thought he resurrected a dead bunny or something. It was like, yeah. Ah. But that's when you got the pulse of our, our culture. Um, I don't want to say they're dumbed down or we're dumbed down in America, but I think with technology like iPhones, cell phones, internet, blah, 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 mm-hmm. um, you started losing that interaction with people. And so yeah. it was mind blowing. Yeah, I don't think that Russian roulette when Brown did that, um, I thought that was, but that's a different animal over across the pond. Yeah. Uh, I just think we have a responsibility when I see Blaine do a couple things. I was like, Come, what are you doing? You know, but yeah. who am I? I'm not judging. I'm just going, yeah, there's kids watching. Yeah. And I, I, I bring that up because I want Dan to pick up on it, but I bring that up because there are, I've seen, you know, on more than one occasion where a magician has taken the basic premise, simple trick, which would be spectacular in and of its own right. And try to, again, push that fourth wall, you know, and fail miserably or in some cases kill themselves or uh, in some cases kill their assistant. And it's happened. I've seen it. Uh, so I want Dan to pick up on that trick where they, you know, and you see the YouTube videos where they failed and it actually went through their hand. And they're freaking out. Yeah. Oh, talk about the spike on the styrofoam cups. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but when you witness something like that in person, it, it it's real. It gets real real quick. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Dan. Well, you know, going off of, of what you were talking about with uh ability, the something that we used to argue about all the time with mm-hmm. in, in the magic circles I was in, um, was the, the concept of uh talent versus presentation. And I was of the mindset, I was never, uh, no offense to any of his success, but I was never a big fan of like a David Blaine or somebody where I'm watching and it's like, okay, you're using, uh, you know, a folding quarter, a shell, a, a you know, a stripper deck, something like that. You know, yeah. do I, especially when you see him use something like, say, you know, a strip, we, we joked earlier about like a Svengali, um, you know, and, and it's like, I know how to do that trick with a regular deck of cards. What you're doing isn't impressive to me. You know, right. So, uh, but I mean, he certainly can he probably manipulate playing, a crowd better than I could. To, he was playing to a lay audience. And when he first hit Dan, every magician was like pulling their hair out going, what the, who is this guy? And I got to, I at first went, huh? And then I stepped back and I went, what he's doing for the bigger picture of magic is awesome. And when I first met him, um, I said exactly those words to him, you know? He's like, you don't know what that means to me, man. Thank you. And the guy's wired different. He's just wired different. And he he has his own thing. He found out, he found his own. But when you see him do an invisible deck on TV, it's first special. You're like, what are you kidding me? But. Well, let Bobby, can we talk about that? You, you, you pointed out something. It seems so obvious, but. In the in the grand picture, it's not so obvious if you if you take a look. Um, you say he's wired different. It seems to me, and Dan and I uh, could probably pick up on this uh, and and elaborate and have a conversation for the next hour based on this. Yeah. The idea that the magician is different—he's a different kind of animal. Right. He's a different kind of human being. Um, right. Do you almost have to be born outside that proverbial box? I think I think it helps um, how you are brought up and what you know what drives you and the things that you don't even know drive you. 
that create the whole, you know, that create the yeah. whole. I know David's upbringing and his running around with uh, magic. He, he, he beat the odds. I mean, you got to give it to him. The guy beat the odds where he came out of nowhere. I'm telling you, brother. I mean, I, all of a sudden, I, this, you know. He, he ran around. There was another guy that I always thought was that David Blaine-ish was Chappie Brazil. I don't know if you guys remember. Yeah, yeah sure. He unfortunately passed away. But I would hang out with him, and we'd walk into a club, and we'd go to Johnny Depp, because I lived in Hollywood for 25 years. And yeah. we'd go down to the Viper Room, and Depp would be in the corner, and he's like, come here, come here. And he would get Chappie. And Chappie could do stuff that was, you know, yeah. same deal, but he was so, was so amazing to watch him. I really admired him a lot. I really, and you know, really did. Uh, but you got to understand that David Blaine found his niche, his path, and my, I think the guy is, he found his thing and, and his truth and his passion. And, he, and, and you have to find yours and find out who you are and what, you know, what's going on, so. Well, that's a great segue. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Dan. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it back to you here in just a second. That's yeah. a great segue. When I met you, you were a young guy, 19 years old, getting your feet wet, uh, starting to make a name for yourself. Yeah. Um, the, the evolutionary process, I know for entertainers, because I spent a lot of time in music. Uh, for entertainers, the evolutionary process is get booked on a smaller show, open, you know, be the opening act, work your way up to that middle position, and then headliner. When you're a young guy and you're given this production value, yeah, you, there's a responsibility not only to your audience, but to the people throwing lots of money at you. But I didn't know better. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know any of that. What did I know? I'm like, okay, it's better that I didn't know. You know, I knew no, I'm a kid. No, I was, I was, that's a really good, that's a great point. Had you known that there were <laughs> literally hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? wouldn't have made a difference to you? Pooped, pooped my pants. <laughs> go ahead, Dan. Pick well, up. <laughs> go and go, go uh, kind of circle back what you were talking about with, you know, um, the effects certain popularity has. I'm curious what your thoughts are, because it's another topic that came up a lot in the old shops was in the nineties, the Fox ran a series of specials uh, about uh, the magic's greatest secrets revealed. Yeah. And Va Valentino, I think his name was, you know, the mass magician. And he did a bunch of, of bits. And on one side, obviously there was an anger of, you know, I know people who make their living doing everything you're doing and now it's going to hurt their crowd. And on the yeah. other side, we had guys that are saying, you know, for the first time I've got to get creative on, you know, the sawing a woman in half or things like he revealed how the water escape, the Harry Houdini water escape, like that's any less impressive and that then I know there how were it's people done. People like me I, who said, I don't give a shit. I still like my magic and I'm still going to watch. That's yeah. what I was going to ask you, you know, what your thoughts are on that pro that process. Okay. So the mastermind behind that was the head of Fox reality TV. And um, his name is like off the tip of my tongue. It, I'm, I'm lost, but I, I was in the middle of a meeting with this gentleman. Um, and uh, it, it made me think outside the box 
and come up with a different way. It, of course, it affected me. I was like, what, how is this happening? But I learned something over, over the time. If you ask anybody, how, do you remember how any of the tricks were done when you watched the show? And they're like, no, but, but it was cool. Um, it, it, oh man, it was, that was a tough one, you know, when that first came out. And everybody's like, oh, I know that's done. I go, well, which one? They're like, well, I don't remember. They don't. They really don't. Bobby, is it a slippery slope if you're the guy that, that's, uh, th- that has to do that? Well, Valentino, if Valentino didn't do it, they were going to find somebody else. Well, yeah. I'm just, if you throw enough green at somebody, sure. Fox TV was, um, um, what was his name? Um, that'll come to me. But he, no matter what, he was going to air the show. And Bruce Nash was the production company that put it together. And uh, it's pissing me off. I can't remember his name. He's like a, he's like this rock star producer, uh, head of Fox. And now he's head of, I think he's head of Sony now television but um it it, it it yeah it was just like but it made me go i'm gonna think different and then i came up with this idea and i got a pitch meeting they ended up buying it then it never aired story of my freaking life but you know it was uh it was very interesting very interesting when that happened and i don't think most people it's like telling a little kid there's no santa claus what was your purpose well, it was just money-driven, and he knew ratings would go through the roof, but he didn't think how it would affect all those people's lives, magic-wise. Yeah. But I think we got smart. And, and look, magic is bigger than ever now. Let me ask you a question. Again, this comes from the vault of Angelo's inquiring mind. It may. Why does magic have a fascination with the name Harry? <laughs> no, I don't. Harry Houdini, Harry Blackstone, Harry Keller. There's a lot of Harrys running. I'm changing my first name to Harry, Angela. <laughs> I don't know. It's really interesting because um, Harry Houdini's real name was Eric. Yeah, Eric Weiss. Harry Keller's real name was was Heinrich, but, you know, for American German. Sure. Um, Harry Blackstone. I think that was his real name, wasn't it? Harry Blackstone was indeed Harry Blackstone. Yeah. I don't know, but Harry. Harry Senior and Junior. David's. Harry's and David's. David Devant, David Copperfield, David Blaine. Yeah, I don't know, interesting. Go ahead, Dan. <laughs> no, it's funny. Actually, you know, um, speaking, going off names, I'm I'm curious. Uh, you know, one of the hey, he was talking about you know the the, the obsession with you Harrys, and you mentioned you know your Davids. Uh, something that pops up a lot in in is is uh, names that are clearly inspired. You know, um, obviously Houdini, uh, and then more. Me personally, my my favorite of all time was was Slydini. And you know, yes. it, you you see people kind of try and work that Dini name into things, or yeah. maybe they'll they'll do kind of a look like what where where do you draw the line between flattery and and right. being a being a, a knockoff like what we were talking about earlier yeah uh i god i don't know how to answer that angela it's all you i don't know i just think that's a personal choice i think slidini tony was freaking amazing a nice italian guy come here watch it close you know i wanted to have a cannoli or raviolis with this guy so bad (laughs) right (laughs) i saw an interesting film in in preparation for this interview bobby 
Yeah. The film was called um, The Dark Side of Magic. Uh, and it is a, a, a it's a documentary. Okay. Uh, a film about the uh, for, follows four magicians who went from uh, a level of success. Yeah. Where they were on television, some were on the Tonight Show and yeah. various. And now uh, a lot of these guys are out of the business. Uh, there's there's a, one particular guy who is relegated. His career has been relegated to performing in a, a quote unquote joke shop. We're going to talk about that for a second. Wait, um, or, I don't know what the show is. Was are you sure it was the dark side of magic? I believe it was called. Was Brian? Uh, they fall oh, before uh, magicians living in the moment or something to that effect. Was Brian Gillis in it? Was that the one? Yes, yes. I did see it. I did see it. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Here's where. Do you want me to it, answer? It seems. It seems to me though. And I, yeah, I do want you to, to uh, expound on it. But it seems to me that. Uh, Looking at these guys, and almost all men, by the way, uh, yeah. very few uh, women in magic. We'll talk about that in a second, too. But almost all men, almost all exclusively single and or divorced or in the middle of divorces. What is it about that lifestyle? Is it is it the uh, is it the fact that you you're basically working for yourself, by yourself. Yeah. Can, let's let's get into I, the head of the magician. Here's my point of view on that one. And I really, you see um, magicians like Daryl, uh, uh, mm-hmm. Brian Gillis, and unfortunately they're both past. So um, honored both of them, amazing guys. But there was no growth. They were still running around with a suitcase doing gigs and bar mitzvahs in LA. And, and it's like- Exactly, yeah. And my- my take on this is where is your growth um, as a human being and as a performer, you're still doing the same thing. And I would always yeah. walk away from something which was really tough and recreate, walk away, recreate, rebuild. Re- if you don't, you're going to just stay right where you're at on a hamster wheel. So and you start Bobby, that's exactly yeah. That's exactly, Bobby, why I asked you uh, about the evolutionary process. You know, you step know. away. Okay. Okay. Dan, you want to explore that? Because I think you can have fun with that one. Yeah, that's that's actually a brilliant uh, notion. You were you mentioned uh, you work on something, step away, work on something, step away. Uh, you also said something earlier that magic is bigger now than it's ever been. And based on sales and, and social media and all that, that appears I mean, without question is the case. Um, you know, is it harder now to break out of that layer to get off the hamster wheel than it was, say, 20 years ago? You know, it, it could be for individuals. That's an individual question. I think it's where you're at in your life, who you are as a person um, and, and where you're at with your belief system. I think you're the belief is everything that's where you believe you can go what what i'm what i was thinking more is the idea of like you know i, I think back to what i did years ago we you know worked at the shop and then you know would book the gigs you talked about you know bar mitzvahs restaurants parties that kind of stuff you know um somebody like that it, it would be harder for someone who's doing the birthdays and the and the, the the theaters and the you know whatever to to take that next step because there's so many more people in line for that spot 
you know, 10, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, we would have these, these classes and, you know, yeah. 10, 15 people. Now, I mean, there's the, the waiting so list for some of these schools is thousands. More competition, but it ha you have to look at yourself. Uh, I mean, if you want something, you want something really bad. First, understand where that's coming from. When I talked about your personal power or your ego-based power, your ego-based power will get you there just as well. But when you get there, the right place so it will uh not have longevity and not be real and not be authentic so you can be a knockoff of something and maybe make it and then there's the kind that you get frustrated and you're not gonna you know there is a lot of people out there you're right you know yeah, there is but i don't really know how to answer that's individual question for each person of who they are as a person which was it's the number one important thing it's who you are you know Forget the magic tricks, who you are, how much drive you have, how, how much you can get beaten down, push through, be able to do something and then walk away from it, start fresh. Um, there's, a, there's so many elements, but it's like if you're going to have this carrot in front of you and chase this carrot your whole life, you're going to continue to chase the carrot. But when you step away, it's amazing what falls in your lap. And I could tell you stories that would make your head spin through synchronicity, you know. I went off on a tangent. Sorry, Dan. <laughs> yeah. Bobby, do, do you prefer the grand illusion or do you, do you still go back to the basics and up close and personal? Yeah. Well, the, the current show that I was doing for the past 10, 15 years was using a giant 20-foot LED wall and three cameras and all close up. But I did have this big illusion show prior and people were walking out of the show talking about the trick I did with the camera, a little card trick. And I'm going, wow. So I really, I mastered this technique and this formula to a point where I had a really cool, amazing product. I had a great product, okay? Yeah. And Carnival Cruise Line, um, they were, uh, very aware, and I worked for them a lot. Yeah, and they did a survey on Matt on entertainment. This was one year ago. Right. They spent three hundred and fifty thousand dollars on a freaking survey for entertainment. <laughs> nice and uh, beautiful. <laughs> Magic came in number two. Magic, out of the, all the entertainment, Magic was number two. Uh, and they came to me and said. Look, magic is the hottest thing. We we don't like the box tricks. It's not popular anymore, which is just cyclical. It'll all come back. Sure. We like what you're doing. I wrote a show or three or four, and I pitched them, and they bought four of them. And right yeah. now, we're in production for the largest ship in the world called the Mardi Gras. What I can yeah. tell you, it has a roller coaster on it, and holy crap, what it has on it is amazing. So I'm literally yeah. in production meetings every day, producing something that has never been done before or seen before. And there is one box trick, if you want to call it that. But when you disguise it, it's not just a box trick. When you go see Copperfield. Sure. Um, and he makes the UFO appear. That's not a box yeah. trick, but it's still yeah. grand. I think presentation is everything. Yeah. It is everything. But I just don't want to see something I've already seen before. Come well, on. That, that's, that's a great segue. 
keeping yeah. it fresh. Yeah, Keep bring it in. But yeah. I think going back into the old magic books, that's where the new magic is. Those are where the secrets are. The well, old you magic know, and that, we're going to talk about that. One of the things I want to talk about is everything old is new again. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, yeah. Dan, let's pick up on that, and then I'll interrupt yeah. you while you're talking. But, of course, yeah. as, 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 as has never happened before in the history of the show. Um, you know, it's funny. You, you mentioned the, how history is cyclical. You know, it, when I was growing up and learning magic and, and working with everything, it was all the up close, you know, the, the like I said, the Slidini tricks. He, yeah, he had Alex, one where Slidini. he would, right, mm-hmm. he, he, you know, uh, Rocco with the, the, the D-Light and all that, you know, some of the sure. up close stuff. Uh, I remember Slidini did a, a bit where he would crumple a ball of paper. And, you know, his hand's empty. And it's like, I, I'm hearing the paper crumpling. I'm seeing it. Like, even even as a even knowing magic, I know how he did it. It's still fucking amazing to yeah. watch. Um, That's, what's you know, hot. That's what's very hot right now. It, yeah, it was all up close. And then, at, it, like, late 90s, early 2000s, you had that transition to the, the well, David yeah, Copperfield, the France yeah. Harari's. What's that? Doug Heading first. Yes, but I mean, you had that the the large scale. You know, the the curtain goes up. He does his widgy widgy crap for like two hours. Curtain drops, and the space shuttle's gone. The the Statue of Liberty's been moved. All the big tricks. Yeah. And now that's kind of went away. And now we're back where we were 20, 30 years ago. The small stuff. Because, and go ahead. No, keep going. I'm sorry. No, I'm saying is is you know I think about the stuff that I learned. The old like I, I mentioned, you know. Uh, Denny and Lee's, the magic shop in Baltimore, I used to go to all the time. Sure. Um, you know, he had books from the, you know, the 30s and 40s and 50s, and there's yeah. stuff in there I'd never seen before because people right. aren't doing it anymore. So, you know, the old is new. And I, I'm, you know, it, it's also with the adv- advancements of digital film and, you know, things like sure. YouTube, up close magic, it's much easier for me. As a as a YouTube star to do a, a sleight of, of hand at a table than it is to set up a huge stage and make a truck disappear. Yeah, it, it is it. And people, can, you're connecting with people. It's not, you are making, a, you are connecting with people. And that's when I discovered I had this show. My show was in a 2,500 seat theater. Oh, wow. And I had a deck of cards and three other objects on my body. I had three cameras and I had computer graphic animation that would match each, each story I would tell had B-roll footage that would yeah. match my presentation and tell this great thing. And it all of a sudden had layers to it of like being on a live TV show and watching ancient aliens or something live. Yeah. That's what it was. Right. Yeah. And I mastered this thing. I, I mean, I did, I burned out. I was doing like 18 shows just, a month nonstop. Just, just out of curiosity, you say you were telling a story. Is that transitioning from trick to trick? Or do you mean a story like a Sam the Bellhop type routine? No, no, <laughs> but which is a great trick, by the way. Uh, yeah. Tell the story. Um, each individual uh, act would have its own story. Okay. And if you want to get clever, this new show has a big story with mm-hmm. little stories in it, and it all ties together. Yeah. So you know, there was an evolution on on that. So, Bobby, let's talk about that. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up on that a little bit. Um, you're in uh, your theater. We should tell people that you are in Erie, Pennsylvania. Now you are in the Keller Comedy and Magic Club in Erie, PA. It is a in, an imposing building. It's a a monster of a building. Mm-hmm. Now I'm I'm hoping that the club is on the bottom floor. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> 
Let's let's talk. Do you have? Uh, I believe if I looked at the setup right, you have a video wall uh, up on your stage, right? Uh, no, I have. Uh, well, no, not a video wall, but I have six giant screens that are okay in the theater that uses cameras everywhere. Um, so it's a more intimate 300 seat theater. And how often does the show change up? Yeah, every week is a different. Um, performer. Uh, basically, this was a very successful and popular comedy club for 20 years. It was mm -hmm. called Junior's Last Laugh. Uh, and you name it, they were here. I mean, Harry yeah. Anderson, uh, Piff, you know, uh, oh, you sure. any major comic, they were here. Yeah. But for 20 years, it was just the same comedians and successful, don't get me wrong. Uh, I had an idea when I was a kid, I met a woman who was Harry Keller's niece. Her name was Catherine Keller Blakely. And I was 16 and she said, you know, young man, my uncle was Harry Keller. And I was like, wow. And I, I mean, I knew Harry Keller, but I didn't really know. Yeah. So in 2016, I got serious and I produced a show called Flick, um, had a bunch of money and I bought a boat and I hired attorneys. <laughs> I got attorneys <laughs> to, you know, I got the trademark on them and I started building this idea and I ended up buying the comedy club. Yeah. My goal was to turn it into uh, Keller's Modern Magic and Comedy Club. And Harry Keller was from Erie, Pennsylvania. And therein lies the segue. Back in the day, and I say back in the day, meaning back in my day, because I'm an old fart, considerably <laughs> older than you. Absolutely. Uh, cool. Shut up. <laughs> magic was awe-inspiring. It garnered reactions like ooh and ah. Yes, sir. It, it rarely garnered back in the day laughter. Hence the name magic and comedy. When did magic and comedy become inextricably linked together? Boy, that's interesting. I couldn't give you the exact date, but I remember watching HBO when I was a kid. Most of the magicians, I would see Goldfinger and Dove on those specials. You'd see Hans Clock, you'd see, not Hans Clock, um, you'd see certain magicians like Shamada. That was all serious. Yeah, yeah. Then, then Johnny Thompson came out. Yes. And it was funny, but it was uh, it, that transition, then Penn and Teller, transition. Harry Anderson, transition. Carl Ballantyne. Oh, I loved Carl Ballantyne. Right? For, for those of you who are, you know, of my age group, which is yeah. uh, elderly and up, Carl Ballantyne, you may remember him uh, as the cantankerous uh, uh, member. I forget his character name, but he was on McHale's Navy with McHale's Ernest Navy. Borgnine. Uh, he was a... Every kid watching right now is going, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> Giving my age away. He was also a member of the Friars Club, the famous Friars Club. He was a, a vaudevillian comedian and magician back in the day. Yep. Um, which was really interesting that, I, to my knowledge, and Bobby Borgia, you son of a gun, you just brought it up, that you made the connection for me with comedy and magic. Carl Ballantyne. He was the guy because it was. Yeah. You know? Dave, do you know anybody before Carl? 
I'm sure you'll get a call from Max Maven going in 1583, chapter <laughs> seven, verse five, in the, and I'll go, oh, thank you, you know? <laughs> he was a guy, you know, Max Maven, he's a really interesting cat. He's a guy, him. I didn't know how to take him the Max. first time. I met him once. Yeah. I've only met Max one time. I didn't know how to take him because he's a very intimidating, he's not a big guy. But he's a very intimidating. His persona is, his persona right. is you know, very yeah, like. He's got that. Yeah, he, he, I was going to say, he goes to what we were talking about earlier with the 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 technique versus skill. You know, um, the first time I ever saw him when he did a lot of the, you know, uh, here's 10, 10 colored diamonds. Pick one and then, you know, move I, to any other one of the left. I mean, it's all math. You know how it works, but it's still the most amazing thing. There, that's the answer. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's still I mean, it's I'm dumbfounded. But then also not to discredit what you were talking about with comedy. I've been to more magic shows than I've ever I could care to count. And to this day, the most fun I've ever had. I saw the Amazing Jonathan in New Jersey. And that's that's the, the most fun I've ever had at a magic show. And, you know, so I'll, I'll stand by the importance of comedy and magic. Yeah, I found that bringing it here when I bought the club. I started testing it out. I tested it out because I'm going, this is a whole different market, Erie, PA. Now we have Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and Buffalo, and Toronto, like, you know, about two hours in each direction, all right? And this club was definitely uh, the guy that owned it, you know, ran it and had every name. And him and Jonathan were really good friends, okay? Mm. So when I bought the club, I tested out, um, I called Michael Finney. And I called Chipper Lowell, and I called another guy, uh, I think it was Sky Sands, who was kind of in Rochester. And I go, is, are, are they going to accept this transition? Michael Finney and Chipper Lowell, just people were like, this is great. You've never seen anything like this. And I went, thank God. And then COVID hit. And I went, by a show of hands, how many people are glad you're not me right now that you just bought a comedy club? Everybody? Okay, good. Well, but, you know, Bobby, I, I was going to ask you about that, but uh, and I didn't want to say anything, but I'm glad you did. Now I'll jump in. Yeah. So um, let's talk about that. You know, uh, how has uh, how has the last uh, eight months fared for you? Are you, are you able to, to open? Are you working there? Or what's going on? So when I bought it, it was Junior's Comedy Club. And my goal was in one year to transform it into what I'm about to show you, okay? So three months later, it was March. Harrison Greenbaum was the last act that was here. Right. And uh, we had Sinbad booked the next week. And all of a sudden, this thing hit. Oh, so I had wow. CAA calling me, going, look, he's coming. Don't worry about this. And I go, no, 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 no. This, is, this isn't, no, 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 no. <laughs> Um, and that was the last time, mid, mid-March was the last time. And when COVID hit, I turned to my partner, Christy Luanis, amazing human being, yeah. and I said, let's go. And ripped this, and I went, I'm going to look at this as a proactive, positive choice. And I completely turned this club inside and out from head to toe into what I wanted this to be. So I took, I took a negative and turned it to a positive, which my mother Beautiful. Taught. Beautiful. So uh, it is Keller's Magic and Comedy Club. I love your slogan, Conjuring and Cocktails. Beautiful. <laughs> love it. 
Take uh, does the uh, does the establishment have food? Do you serve food there? Yep. So we have dining and deceptions, cocktails and conjuring. Um, I have a restaurant. We own a restaurant here with with Beautiful. the bar, and then the showroom. And basically, it's an eight thousand square foot venue. And what's really cool, you guys, is magic. Big picture. You got smoke and mirrors in Philadelphia. If you guys are watching, you guys are awesome. Please yeah. forgive me for not being on the podcast or for on the calls with you guys. You have smoke and mirrors. Pittsburgh has Liberty Magic, yeah. Chicago Magic Lounge, Nashville House of Cards, Magic Castle. I could go on. You know, it's yeah, rich. sure. But what I had up my sleeve was, and a lot of people are just copying the castle. I'm not disrespecting clubs, but. One club in particular just redid the castle, and I went, "What? Why? So what? I mean, yeah. that doesn't do something." So my goal was everything. I mean, I can show you when you're ready. Yeah, Keller was from Erie. His house. Well, was a- we are going to take a look at Keller's comedy and magic right now, Bob. You want to give us a little tour? Okie dokie. Beautiful. Here is the entrance. Uh, when you walk in, there's Keller, the man Houdini called our greatest American magician with the water torture cell. Love it. This is our introduction wall, which. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Where'd Bobby go? He, he paused his uh, camera feed. Oh, Bobby. Oh, Lord. I, I don't think he knows he did that. Uh, we have my wall, which is, you know, meet the real Wizard of Oz. And meet the real Wizard of Oz. That's amazing. You know, few this. people realize. Few people well, realize. No, when they walk in, they're like, what? He's from Erie? The, yeah. His house. That's his house. And he was, he was born in 1849 at St. Mary's church here in Erie. His house was across the street. That house was right there. What? This is a bar. I love it. I love it. New York Erie Daily Times, 1893. Harry Keller's show is without a doubt the most remarkable and mystifying exhibition of magic ever witnessed. That was in the Erie Times. That was the show he did at that theater in Erie. How about them apples? In 1893. Think about that. 1893. One of the things we talked about off air, Bobby, was the nostalgic feel, this almost vaudevillian feel uh, of the club. It has a very retro kind of like the the word I always like to use is it's got good bones. So it has good bones. I, I designed this with. The old school, meaning a contemporary feel. Um, and I tried to tie in like some of the memorabilia, which you guys don't know, is I would close my show on the cruise ship with a, with a video of Harry Keller. Hand to God, two years ago, I get done with the show and the cruise director's like, hey, there's some people from Erie, Pennsylvania. Aren't you from Erie? And I go, yeah. He goes, well, they're in the front. They wanted to say hi. It was the Keller family. Wow. That's great. That's have, have they That's given you it. any any feedback on on the the theater? Well, they, they have his entire estate. Everything. I have to tell you something. I don't want to freak you out. Yeah. But when you said the name Harry Keller, yeah. 
Yeah. An orb just flew across your face like a white shit. Get out. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that story, place. it's, it's a great looking Some of the letters from Houdini, but Copperfield flew here and he tried to buy the estate, but he didn't want to buy the whole thing. Uh, they didn't want to piecemeal it, so we're working with them on, like, there's some of the letters, but the bar with the top hat, which Keller made famous, we have a close-up bar. Right. And there's a levitation wall I designed where you could, it's a selfie levitation station. There you go. I think I this love is cool. It. This is great. So there's his, he was the first to levitate a woman in America, but this is a picture of Keller, Houdini, and Irvin Willett. And Irvin Willett was the director of the movie The Grim Game. But oh. what, what, what well, you could levitate my fat ass. You're done something good. <laughs> Wait, Angelo, here's the crazy. <laughs> With that known, and I know you know this about Thurston being Keller's successor, okay? Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. A box out, and in there was two contracts. One contract was Keller selling his show to Thurston. The actual contract. Wow. Yeah. I tried not to geek out. And the other one was. <laughs> yeah. We funded the entire film uh, for Houdini, The Grim Game. And our theater shows appearing and disappearing nightly. This is our theater. And it's. We have uh, David Merlin from H America's Got Talent here this week for Halloween. And he's a paranormalist. I love so, it. It's a beautiful. Dan, what do you think? It's a gorgeous. Oh, that's theater. that's amazing. Definitely road trip gorgeous, material. Gorgeous. Thing. You know, you mentioned a couple of names there, uh, and there are a few names I want to talk about that have that I think have been lost to history. Um, certainly Thurston, one of them, Carter, yeah. uh, another, uh, and the name Doug Henning, I think, doesn't get enough credit for being as groundbreaking as he was. I mean, you think right. about just the visual of Doug Henning. He was one of the first magicians I ever saw. And maybe, Dan, you can tell me what you think. But, Bobby, as far as, and I'm a little older than both of you, but Henning was the first guy I ever saw with the long hair. Right. Like a kind of hippie magician. Yep. Um, and it was really good. Big he mustache. He had amazing long fingers. He had these, like... I got fat, clumsy fingers. I could never do magic. Yeah. I can't do it. I just can't do it. Um, but, you know, guys like Carter, guys like Thurston, um, to some lesser extent, Keller, uh, thanks to you, you know, you're reviving his name, uh, his legacy and reputation. But, Dan, what, what are some of the, the guys in your realm that you might say to Bobby were lost to history? Well, I mean, you you hit the two on the head that I think really, uh, obviously Doug Henning and um, you know you you were talking about Thurston, who I don't think gets enough credit for the fact that he carried the legacy. I don't think Keller would have the reputation he did today without Thurston keeping keeping the the story going. Yep, I agree, percent. Me, me, like I said, me personally, um, while it's popular among the the discussions in the magic world, I mentioned him earlier, I don't think Slidini has the universal acclaim that, you know, you hear. I mean, he's, to my opinion, he's the best pound-for-pound sleight-of-hand artist I've ever seen, period. Oh, and, 
Clark, my buddy Tony Clark loved Slidini. Loved maybe because he had the same name, Tony Clark. Tony, Sl- I don't know. And the <laughs> the best, and I know he his. It's con- not really a lot of gray area. Either love him or hate him. Uh, but one of the best close up shows I've ever seen was was a guy named Tom Mullica, and oh my he, God. he's oh, he's yeah, one of those. Sure. He's one of those where, you know. I, I I'll say something and people will go who and I'll, I'll you got to look him up on YouTube and a couple days later like, oh my god I watched this you know he's eating cigarettes and he was doing this with handkerchiefs and napkins and you know and he's he's one of those where he is I mean I don't even know how to say it he's too good for as not like you know he he's one that I always think deserves more recognition that kind of guy yeah. gets lost in the shuffle you, you wonder why like Tom Mollica is not a household name. Why certain exactly. of those we we know us three right now and people watching and are, and there are certain guys that you're like well how is he not like famous yeah. but sometimes it's better to be this underground legend which is kind of cool yeah. you know not everybody can be that there's only room for like one or two at the time you know but going back to Doug Henning Doug Henning is the one that got me into magic and interesting and, let's let's hear that I, I don't know that story Bobby. Um, I saw Doug Henning on Captain Kangaroo when I was five years old, and my brother, Anthony Scott Borgia, was a year younger than me. He was the first successful liver transplant in the United States of America, and he oh, died cool. three months after the operation. So my brother, Tony, dies. I'm four. Now I'm five. I don't know where my brother goes. And Doug Henning was on Captain Kangaroo, and I watched, and I went. It was the escape I needed to fill that void. I got you. Yeah, that, that's a, that's an amazing story. Like you know, that, Doug Henning called me at home when I was six years old. He was here in Erie doing the Warner Theater. Yeah, and this guy's like, "There's this kid that does magic. He's six years." Doug Henning called me. I own Doug Henning's um, jumpsuit. I have the original jumpsuit with his name in it. I had his car, his kid car levitation, and two other props. I got rid of those. But um, Doug Henning was the reason why I got into magic. Phenomenal man, kind man, and got lost in history uh, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I, I re- and, you know, like I said, you know, there are, there are a number of people. You know, I'm huge. Fan, I'm a huge magic fan, and you know that. Uh, but you know, there there are names that I just I. I shudder to think, you know, what if people knew who yeah. these, who they were, you know, the the legacy of they, the the knowledge mm-hmm. that they could pass on through their through their they, work, through their magic, through their writings. Doug Henning oh is my, the reason why we have Jim Steinmeier. Yeah, Doug Henning is the reason why we had Don Wayne or Doug Steinmeier especially. Um, one of the builders, I'm, I can't remember his name right now, but Doug Henning infected, he affected all, he even affected Chris Angel big time. I know Chris was really, but I'm that age where Doug was the guy. Yeah. And he was the, by the way, his specials were the only done live. Yeah. No tape cut. It was done live. Live. Absolutely. I, Really, that's ballsy. I mean, wow, what he was doing. There was only one episode of a show where he, like, tripped backwards and there was a, a, a mirror uh, thing. And all of a sudden, his, like, legs disappeared. He jumped back up. You know, and you're like, yeah. What just <laughs> it's kind of funny. Yeah. Well, you know, that that's a discussion for, 
for another show, we could really go oh, down yeah. that rabbit hole. Yeah. Uh, but I do. I know you you were very generous with your time, Bobby. You gave us an hour tonight. I promise this will not be the last you will see of Bobby Borgia. Because if I have to go to Erie and hogtie his ass, he's <laughs> coming back. You guys are both invited to come here to Keller's. And if you're interested, it's kellersmagic.com. You can see the performers coming. Um, we're getting. Yes, we're trying I, to do through COVID. And my goal was to resurrect Harry Keller and get all my friends to work. Uh, Dan, it was so nice meeting you, and I, I would love for you to come down here, man. Absolutely. I, I appreciate it. It was an honor. No, mine, I, mine truly. And I will tell people, uh, you will find uh, all of Bobby Borges' information on our, uh, on our YouTube page, on our website, on Facebook, and all of our social media, bobbyborgia.com. Uh, the... Uh, Wonderful graphic you see behind me will be up and available for everyone to grab a number uh, and address off of. Uh, you can uh, reach Bobby at bobbyborgia.com. Send him an email. Send him a letter. Thank him for all the great work he's doing and keeping the magic of Harry Keller alive and well. Not only for Erie PA, but for the entire free world. We thank you on behalf of Dan the Man. I say thank you, Bobby. I have... Waited a very, very long time tonight, tonight, to, uh, sir. to reconnect with you. And I'm not just going to talk about magic, buddy boy. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 really, you really made my night. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Bobby, I'm going to have you back. Um, we'll check with your schedule. And uh, if you're not off jet setting to some foreign country doing a trick for a king somewhere, um, we'll get you back here and uh, maybe do a... Uh, Maybe we'll get you the next time you're here. Maybe we'll get you to do like a as up close and personal, you know, sleight of hand. Talk about the show with Carnival too, because I'm hiring all the magicians. Yes, absolutely. And we'll put links up on our uh, on our Facebook and our YouTube and all of our social media. Bobby Borgia, thank you so much, Bobby. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for for joining us. And you are more than welcome to come back. In fact, we're going to have you. Dan's going to come up here and get you. Bobby, <laughs> thank you, brother. Take care. Good God night. bless. Take care. Great, great show. That, wow, was, that was awesome. Got to have him back. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I'm going to call him tomorrow. Um, yeah, I'm going to tell you what, man. That's a beautiful club he's got. Beautiful. That's gorgeous. Beautiful. And, you know, me being the history buff, the fact that the front half of it's a museum is, is even, even a bigger draw for me. Yeah, how about that Houdini's water torture chamber? How about that stuff? Yeah. That's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive. So, your thoughts, Mr. Uh, Young Squire here. Mr. I was going to call you Mr. The Man. <laughs> oh, hold on a minute. How's it going? Okay. <laughs> so, what do you think, Dan? Bobby Borgia, one of the, uh, the one of the preeminent illusionists in the world, my friend. Oh, I mean, phenomenal talent. Great stuff, and and clearly, most importantly, clearly a fan. Uh, it, it, you look at some of the greatest minds in magic today. You know, uh, uh, Penn and Teller, and and you, he he mentioned you know yeah. David Copperfield, Lance Burton. These guys were are are the collectors and the fans and the historians. A lot of what we know about old magic comes from 
magicians who were fans who kept it alive. And I think that's Absolutely. really important. I think and he you, clearly and, loves the art. And I'm glad you pointed that out because Bobby really is a fan of the genre. And, and I think not only does it show, but it comes across in his work. The fact that he appreciates being shown a magic trick shows in the way he performs a magic trick. And, uh, uh, and if you've not seen him, Dan, uh, go online on YouTube uh, mm -hmm. or go on the BobbyBorgia.com and watch what he does at the club. He uh, he wears a uh, a headpiece microphone, uh, so his hands are free. Yep. And uh, and he goes into the audience and performs up close. And he's got, you know, as he said, you know, it's, it's a uh, you know, three cameras. He's got three television cameras that follow him around the club. It gives it a very much a live, for lack of a better um, explanation, a, a live TV production feel. Yes. You feel like you're, you're uh, in the audience of a TV show. Right. Is how it comes across. Um, better way to put it. Uh, and it really does, it relates in a way that's personal, and personable, but it also, it speaks to the inner child in us. We all, everybody loves that magic trick. Mm -hmm. You know, where did the quarter go? How did he do that? How did, how did he do that? Of course. And I asked him once, how'd you do that? He goes, I can't tell you. Yep. Because then it wouldn't be a trick. I said, okay, but I still want to know. <laughs> tell you, that was have the, the I mentioned working at the magic shop, the way we were set up was kind of a performance set, like a, a couple of corner set tables. And then that would draw the crowd into the shop. And yeah. it was funny that we used to butt head. I don't want to say all the time, but we used to butt heads pretty frequently with people who wanted to know how it's done. And it's like, well, we, we have classes and we sell this illusion. So I could tell you, but it's not going to be free, you know? And exactly. It's it's hey, great and it's, it's shame I didn't get the chance to ask him about that because I would love to talk you know his opinion on where to because with Amazon and and all these online platforms now it's so much easier to buy tricks but uh, mm -hmm. most of what's out there is garbage and that's uh, I mentioned D Denny Haney the guy who got me into it and that's where it all came from that was one of his big things was all this crap these crap tricks that started popping up in the early days of the internet yeah eBay and and you know. And, and, I, and, other, and I'm opinion. glad you said that, Dan. I'm glad you said that because I am not a fan of the uh, the so-called spoiler videos, right? Where you know they they show you how the trick is done, or uh, allegedly show you how the trick is done. In of some course. cases, it's pure bullshit. Um, look, I mean, you can you can take any situation, any scenario, and create a plausible explanation for how anything, any given thing is done. Of course. Doesn't mean it's you, the right way. You know, that's something we ran into, uh, and I used to run into a lot when I would perform, is somebody would call you out on it and be completely wrong on how it works. Yeah. And you're like, you know, no, that's not how it works. Oh, well, of course you're going to say it's that I'm wrong. Like, no, I'm legitimately, and, you know, they they couldn't understand that I'm, I'm, I'm not defending the trick. I'm genuinely telling you you're an idiot. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I actually saw, uh, it happened, <laughs> believe it or not to David Blaine. Somebody called him out on a trick. They thought, they thought they knew how he was doing this sleight of hand card trick. Mm -hmm. And 
in principle, they were absolutely right. But Blaine, being the mind that he is, took the very trick that he was being explained to how it worked and flipped this, like they say in wrestling, flipped the your script on the guy. Right. You know? And we and then the guy was left there going like this, you know. It was, it was well, a I, swerve. I thought I knew how it was done. <laughs> you know, it was a I, swerve, I just, bro. Yeah, I love it. Speaking of wrestling, uh, we are going to do uh, as the uh, the end of the year approaches uh, December and we get to closer to twenty twenty one. We are going to do uh, much more entertainment-oriented programs, uh, a lot more topical stuff, uh, some news, some politics, not a lot, mm-hmm. not a lot at all, but a lot of entertainment. We will remain a wrestling-based program, but uh, because of, and I felt like, and you and I talked about this before, right. but I, I felt like because of the nature of the business right now and how really bad it is, that there's really not enough wrestling news or coverage to spend valuable airtime on, but there's a hell of a lot of entertainment coming back. Oh, absolutely. And it's very important. You touched on it with the COVID as stuff reopens, you know, I think it's important to touch on what shows are happening, comedy, magic, you know, theater. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things I wanted to talk to, to Bobby about, and we'll get to talk to him on the, the next episode. Um, but in Las Vegas, the perfect example, Las Vegas, do you know, and I'm sure you do because you're the smartest man in the room, do you know that in Las Vegas, without exception, I'm not even, I, I can't even rib you on this, without exception, every single major showroom, the headliner is a magic trick. Mm-hmm. Chris Angel, um, uh, um, Oh God! Um, uh, 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 John Rudin, uh, Illusions. Um, yeah. Penn and Teller uh, in Vegas too. Yeah, um, and we're going to talk about. And Bobby mentioned a little bit. I'm going to talk about too. But um, Chris Angel is actually being sued right now by John Rudin for the Table of Death. Really? Yeah, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, well, Chris Angel has taken it as his own, but he didn't invent it. He stole it from. From John Rudin, uh, from that's Illusion. you know that'd be a good top time, Bobby. Magic's a lot like stand-up comedy. You always hear this mantra that everybody steals. Yeah, you know, like when they say about yeah, but that's the big no-no in stand-up comedy. You don't steal another person's jokes. Well, and, and in magic, what, you don't and, steal and another person's And that's the tie-in, trick. and that's the tie-in, Dan, because he Bobby said it tonight. Where he talked about, he, and you were asking him a question. He said somebody bought a uh, somebody bought a trick. Mm-hmm. Okay, somebody bought a trick, which is one thing to buy a trick, you know, right. somebody's trick, and and perform it like them. It's another thing to steal somebody's trick. Oh, absolutely, without paying them a dime for it. You know, it's um, it's funny um, when when I was getting into magic and performing, uh, some of the elder statesmen that I worked with gave me some of their props and tricks and taught me how things worked. And when I started getting out, uh, not really getting out of it, but when I left the area, um, the tradition was to, to, to pass that along. I've got my briefcase, I've got my kit, but some of the stuff I used on stage, I don't have. 
because yeah. it's it's against the it's taboo to just throw it in a closet. I passed it on to another performer and let them take Absolute, the trick. Absolutely, and we're, that's something that happens in magic that happens in no other genre of entertainment, including wrestling. Well, once in a while, I shouldn't say that. In wrestling, it's supposed to be the way, but it's not because there's right. a whole new spoiled rotten kids now who don't appreciate the history. Right. Um, but uh, I'll give you a perfect example. Brian Pillman Jr. is mm-hmm. wearing his father's trunks mm-hmm. um, because he understands the history. But uh, as I said, in Vegas, you know, people like Lance Burton, um, of course, you know, John Rudin, uh, Illusions, uh, you know, David Copperfield, Chris right. Angel. Every major hotel has a magic show or a magic review yep. or a major lounge act that's magic. The it's first, all magic. First show I ever saw in Vegas was Siegfried and Roy back in the 90s. Right. And we just, I think we just lost uh, uh, Roy. Was it Roy? Yes. Yeah. That passed away. Yeah. And I think, Dan, wasn't Roy the same uh, member of that team that was attacked by the Bengals? Yeah, that's, the Bengal? I mean, you know, the, the long-term complications is part of the reason that he passed away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was um, the, 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 had the neck damage from the Tiger. And, and they were a staple for years, 30 mm-hmm. years in Las Vegas. Siegfried and Roy, I remember when... I can remember, because I'm an old fart, I can remember when they were young, like <laughs> my age young, you know? Right. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't even know if uh, if Siegfried is, is still doing the show with maybe another partner, or do you know what, whether the, as far the as show I, was... I mean, they, they retired the act together. I don't know personally if Siegfried's still performing separately or maybe doing some side stuff but the act the duo act re, they they retired that together i was gonna say because they had a couple of apprentices in the show that were pretty good uh and i don't know if they're you know if they carried on the tradition we should find that out that'd be interesting to talk to bobby about yeah um something, something to research for later yeah well we have uh another show under our belt in I want to tell people uh, back in about two weeks when we uh, we come back, we will not have a show, by the way, uh, on next Tuesday is Election Day. We'll not have a show next Tuesday because I want to encourage everyone to go out and vote. It is the uh, presidential election. Vote for someone. I don't care who you vote for. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to offer my opinion. I just want you to vote for somebody. Absolutely. And... uh, so we will not be here next Tuesday, for which uh, Dan is grateful, so he doesn't have to hear me interrupt him. Um, but we will be here Thursday. And uh, we will be here with Mr. Kevin Sullivan. will be joining us, the taskmaster himself. And we will have a couple surprise guests. I can't tell you who they are because they're surprises. Uh, but we'll have to wait for Kevin Sullivan to get here. And uh, I don't know, uh, Dan, if Kevin is joining us by a video or just by a phone. But uh, either way, Kevin join- Sullivan shows up and you uh, he, you talk to he, him. He, 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 he is could join us by a telegram. I wouldn't care. Say again, Dan. 
he he could join us via telegram. I wouldn't care. Just the honor of talking yeah, to him. Exactly. Exactly right. Well, this was a good show. A short one, but action packed and yes, full of great entertainment and a lot of uh, a lot of magic history and information. I'm going to get Bobby back uh, after the election because he's going to need from now till then to probably uh, wrap his head around who might win or not. I don't know. <laughs> I know I will. Anyway, for Dan the Man Sebastiano, the smartest guy in the room, the happy haberdasher, I'm Angelo DeCipio. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Wrestling with the Future. We'll see you next time, and happy wrestling.